Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. While you're getting settled, I've just got, you know, whenever you have great news to share, uh, you know, we, we know the Bible gives us good news and it's powerful. But yesterday, my wife, Diane, and I had the opportunity for about a year and a half now, our daughter, her husband, Brian, and our three grandchildren have been offering foster care to this young little girl. They took her in when she was about seven months year old, seven months old, and um, it's just been a process that they've had to walk through this young life uh, being adopted. And this last Thursday, it was official, and we were able to be a part of that. And yesterday, we had a huge celebration at the church. Now, she's not even quite three years old yet, but he- here's what was interesting. Here-, here was what I learned for the very first time. You never stop learning. But as we were on this uh, Zoom call with the with the court and with the judge and all the different individuals who were involved in the process over the last year and a half. Uh, the judge questioned all of us to make sure we were who we said we were. And then <clears throat> there was a point where the judge um, looked at Adrian and Brian and said, from this day forward, she will not even be known as your adopted child. It's as if you birthed her. And see, I'd never heard that. I'd never heard that. Even talking with families who have adopted children. And you can see that they, they've embraced them and take them in as their own. But I never heard it legally said, um, from this day forward, they're not your adopted child. It's like you gave birth to her. Now, if you've seen my new granddaughter, they could have given birth to her. She looks just like my granddaughter, who looks just like her mother. So it's, it's, it's been sort of weird how all that worked out. But then yesterday, to get all the families and the church family together and watch this little Skylar run around and play, do you know what didn't cross her mind one time? Am I a part of the family? Never crossed her mind one time. She didn't stop in the middle of the party, and she knew who the party was for. She's a very smart little girl. Um, she never one time stopped and said, now, why are we here? She never one time stopped and said, mommy, am I really yours? She never one time stopped and said, are you really my brother? Are you really my sister? Now, why, why am I even mentioning that? That's good news. That's not just good news for our family. Personally, it was good news for the church family. It's good news for you. Why? Because what we just celebrated in Jesus Christ, the reason it's good news is if you're lost, you can be found, and you don't ever have to worry about, do I belong? Now, I'm the first to admit, you know, moms and dads, you you really can't pick the children that you birth. You can pick the children you adopt, you know? Now, that being said, I don't care if you're birthed or adopted, you belong. 
I don't, listen, I don't care what your past has been. Um, and this is not about me not caring. This is, I'm, I'm trying to get this across to you this morning. We have a father. Now, we're, we're in the book of Acts. We have a father who the good news is Jesus Christ came, died, rose, and is coming again. And he sent his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost to empower us. Why? Because there's an enemy, guys. There's an enemy. Satan comes to kill and destroy. He's seeking. And we have to be not only aware of that, empowered to stand against that. I want to take another step further and say, God doesn't just save us so we can be good attenders. God doesn't just save us so we can be maybe better at work. God, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan and a purpose for everyone. And it really starts, it has to start with Jesus Christ. It's got to start with Jesus Christ. Now, why am I even bringing that part of the story up? Last night as we were on our way home, Diane and I stopped at a little restaurant. We're coming down the eastern shore, and she wanted to see the sunset. So we stopped at this restaurant, and we're watching the sunset, and I just happened to see a message on my phone because we've got a very good friend of ours uh, who has attended that they've been a part of this church before, and God's using them in several different ministries, and she's in the hospital with COVID, and they've given them very little hope outside of a miracle. So we sat last night, and my emotions, quite honestly, went from I can't believe how proud I am of my daughter and my son-in-law and, and how God has gifted them with this little life that God has used them that will change this little life forever. What a powerful life. To the extreme of literally sitting at a table almost in tears, realizing that my friend was having to possibly say goodbye the next few days to his wife. And I thought, what? Why am I experiencing this? And it's almost as if, uh, and I'm still, I'm still there this morning, quite frankly. Because it's almost as if God's wanting us to feel the urgency of not only the need for him, but the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because there's no promise of tomorrow. See, if, if we need the motivational preaching that says, God's going to do something great with your life, and you need it to be about all here, you're still missing the point. You're missing the point. It's, it's, what it, it's what God can do for you right here, right now, that no matter what happens tomorrow, there's an eternity, and you're ready for it. <clears throat> My wife and I were talking about this because when we were teenagers, here's how we prayed. Lord, we, we trust you. Please Please, Lord, we know you're coming again, but can you wait? Please wait about two years, Lord. We want to get married. We want to get married. We want to have children. We want to experience all those things that grown-ups get to experience, right? Hello? Are you guys here? All right. Um, but you realize that all those life experiences are going to happen, but it, you, you can live a whole life without experiencing Christ and, and not have joy, not have peace, 
not have satisfaction? I hope I'm making sense. What does Acts got to do with this, Pastor John? The passage I want to focus on for just a few minutes, Acts chapter 2, and just go ahead and put that up, Donovan, simply says this. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, <clears throat> repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off and everyone whom the Lord our God calls unto himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now, here's what I want to talk about to you just for a few minutes, because a lot of times people get a little nervous when we talk about this part of Acts because they think we're trying to get everybody to speak in tongues or become evangelists. Um, neither of those are totally accurate because he's not trying to get any of us to just speak in other tongues. He's trying to get you just to loosen your tongue up in the right way. He's trying you to maybe, let me say it this way, maybe instead of uh, chewing someone out, you build them up. Maybe instead of being that person at work, you become a good person at work. I'm not going to give examples this morning. I know too many of you. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't want it to seem like you think, oh, he's talking about me again. No, I'm, I'm not talking about anything or anybody. It's, it's humanity. It's in all of us. And you know I'm right. Now, I'm not mad this morning. But because time is short, and you may not have a promise of tomorrow, I'm sorry. You need to hear it. I need to hear it. Now, so we, we look at the day of Pentecost when it came, and let, let's just break this down, because I'm not going to go through the entire message of Peter's first sermon. He did pretty good, by the way. 3,000 came to the Lord. That's not bad for your first sermon. But let's, let's talk about this for a minute because, listen, when we understand that this is good news, what Peter is bringing to them is good news. What Peter is bringing to them is good news. Does good news always sound like good news? No. But listen, here's the thing about good news. You only know it's good news when you understand the bad news. Things are always seemingly good news. When people tell you, I got good news, and they tell you, and that's like, that's not good news to me. Well, you don't know how bad it is yet. But when you understand the situation that you're in, good news is powerful. So now, what does that mean for us? The, when, when they see, and this whole town now is impacted by this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week. There's, there's the sound of a mighty rushing wind. There's the sight of the tongues of flames that sit on each of them. And then there's a speech of not unknown tongues, but known tongues that everyone there, 14 different dialects, 14 different in, uh, Jewish men from 14 different areas, all nations under God, 
all nations under the earth, over the earth, heard God being praised. And a lot of them said, what is this? And a lot of them said, they're drunk. Because in, in a lot of their minds, those who may question and those who may say, I don't believe this, whatever the, whatever the reason, we've got, we've got ways of saying, that ain't right. We've got ways of saying, those people have lost their mind, or they're drunk. But here's what Peter stands up and says. Peter, the Bible says Peter stood up with the others and said, these men are not drunk with wine. These men are not drunk. It's only the nine hour of the day. It's nine o'clock in the morning, the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, why is that important? Fulfilling prophecy, and during Pentecost, Joel would have definitely been read. And here, in essence, is what Joel was saying. Joel was saying, life is going to be tough. Life is going to be difficult. You're going to see some tragic things but there's coming a day when, there's coming a day when the answer's going to come. Jesus, he was projecting that Jesus is coming, and when Jesus comes, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but the one who's coming will baptize you with fire, right? And, and, and please, if I'm a little bit, um, maybe talking too loud, do I need to talk a little bit loud? Bring the volume down a little bit. <clears throat> he says, when this happens, the end is near. Peter gets up and says, oh, by the way, it's here. Now, if a preacher just gets up and says, the end is near, that's not motivational to a lot of people. But it is if you're a Jew and you're in that culture and you're hearing Joel prophesied and you've been reading about Joel and then Peter says, what you're seeing has just happened. Jesus has come. Jesus died, rose again. God raised him up. And now he has ascended. And because he has ascended, the Holy Spirit has come. This is that. And see, they, they, they started putting two to two together, quite frankly. And it wasn't just an intellectual exercise because he went on to say, this man, Jesus, you saw him do miracles. You know who I'm talking about. You were with him. You see, many that were in that crowd, they, they saw Jesus do miracles. They saw Jesus crucified. They saw Jesus after he was risen. And, and Peter goes on to say, you saw it. You can't doubt it happened. You witnessed it. Now listen very carefully. What Peter was saying is, I'm not here to prove it. I'm here to be a witness of it. Can I just give somebody here a little bit of comfort this morning? You don't have to prove Jesus to anybody. You just need to be a witness of Jesus in your life. You say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't know enough scripture. Uh, nobody's waiting for you to quote scripture at work. They want to see you live it. You say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't know how to tell my story very well. We can work on that. I want you to be able to tell your story because you've all got a story. It, it might be as simple right now as I once was lost, but now I'm found. It might be I was blind. I didn't see things, but now I see because of Jesus Christ. The, your story might sound a, a lot different or a lot like each other. The, 
The point is, you're not, you're not having to prove Jesus to anybody. Peter was saying, you saw him. You, you, you witnessed it. See, I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because there's no way I'll ever be smart enough to explain Jesus to people. If, if we could do that effectively, now please listen, apologetics would have been settled a long time ago. You know, and I'm big on apologetics. But all apologetics do, a lot of times, is get people in bigger arguments. It's like we're trying to prove things. You're trying to prove something you cannot see. Again, I love apologetics. Anybody with me on that? I'm a dry preacher. Um, I love apologetics. I believe we need to understand what we believe. But listen, I promise you, if you, if you just argue someone in the corner and they accept Jesus Christ, they're just wanting the argument to end. It's when through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says they were cut to their hearts. Why? Because not only did he explain to them that prophecy had been fulfilled, you saw Jesus, you witnessed it for yourself. He goes on to even say, make little statements like, you killed him. You crucified him. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Because then he begins to quote from David. King David, who they were all very familiar with King David, they understood that King David, if David somehow showed up in their presence, they would have all bowed down to King David. They understood the dynamic. That's what they were waiting for. They were waiting for another king who would come in the name of King David and reign and rule. That's what they were wanting to see. But instead, they see a suffering servant who was risen and ascended, and Peter's proclaiming to them that he is it. Because even David says in his prophecy, that there's one coming who will not see decay. If, if you find David right now, his bones are still in the ground. But see, Jesus was risen. Now, I, I say that because they've seen this. They've seen this, and now they're seeing these Galileans who did not know their language, and now they're seeing more than that, boldness. Boldness. It's pretty bold to start telling people, you did it. It was you. Now, this is not anti-Semitic. Uh, when I was pastoring in Baltimore, Maryland, <clears throat> um, a heavy Jewish population there, and every Easter, I think I've told you this before, every Easter, we were preparing for some type of Easter program, and in our Good Friday services, every Easter, that, uh, they told me about this, and they told me to be ready for this, and until I experienced it, and it happened every year, I don't care what I told the guy, but a, a gentleman would show up inebriated, and he would come in our back doors crying out, why are you blaming us? He was Jewish. And he would go to all the Christian churches in the area saying, why do you blame us for killing Jesus? We did not kill Jesus. And every year I would try to explain to him, no, you didn't. We did. So what do you mean? I said, it's our sin. Jesus said, no man takes my life. It's, it's, see, no, there's no way we can understand the plan sometimes. You know, why am I going through my, what I'm going through? I, I don't know. We look at the life of Jesus. Why did he go through what he's going through? We know there was a plan. There was a plan, and he lived it out. He died, and God raised him up. 
He said, why do you blame us? I said, we don't blame you. We all put him on the cross. It's our sin. And Peter was telling that to the original group standing there on the day of Pentecost. He was telling them, you're the ones that put him on the cross. He rose from the dead, but you're the ones who put him there. Now, as they stand there, no one's saying, who do you think you are? What they're saying is, brother, what do we do? And there's just, there's just two little words that I want to talk about for just a few more minutes. Repent and be baptized. I don't get nervous. There's no water in the baptismal. We're not surprising anyone this morning. <laughs> but let's talk about this just for a few minutes. Brother, what should we do? How do we deal with this? You're saying we, we witnessed this, this guy that we saw all the miracles. We saw him crucified. We, we saw him walking around. Now you, he's ascended. The power of the Holy Spirit has come. You Galileans, not the brightest tools in the shed. You're speaking in our known languages. We understand you in our language. You're making sense to me. There's so many applications that could be made. Because listen, you need to be making sense to everybody around you. They may not like it. Well, pastor, I'm not educated. That's, that's usually the best soil right there. God would love to just mess up your family by you walking in one day and just being bold enough to say, Jesus is the answer. Yeah, but I, I don't know if I could do that. You probably can't without the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything we're talking about here is based on God's power in us. Pastor, why are you driving this home? Because you might be a child in Christ and have 50, 50, 60, 70 more years to blossom and to grow and to make a difference, but you have no promise of tomorrow. I not only want to be the best pastor or the best husband or the best father I can, but today may be the last day. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying, I hope you don't feel like I'm trying to, to scare people this morning. I'm not. But that's the reality. That, that's the reality. Right now, I feel cornered. Don't feel cornered. Feel liberated. Why would, that, why would that liberate me? Am I asking too many questions this morning? I'm just hearing the questions you're asking. Why would that be liberation for us? Because so many of us have been raised in a culture that has told us there is no God. In an educational system that has left God out of the equation. That we're raised in a culture that we're trying to make sense of. That we're trying to get things to add up. And have you discovered that things just don't add up without God? When you start trying to make a life for yourself, you can even make a little bit of money and you're still miserable. And I, I know somebody else is already saying, too, well, Pastor, I, I did give my life to God, and I'm still miserable. We'll talk about surrender in just a minute. You see, because here's what repentance is. Repentance is, and you've heard me preach this before, but repentance is I'm going this way in my life because I believe this way is the answer. Repentance is a change of mind, and when my mind gets changed, the direction of my life gets changed. Now, here's what we have made repentance to be. So be careful before you respond. 
we have made repentance. I shouldn't be doing this stuff, so I'm going to turn away from it, and I'm going to start doing the right stuff. There's nothing you will do that will save you. There's nothing that you will do that saves you. Well, then why do we have to repent? Because it's not a change of action till it's a change of mind. Now, why is that important to the Jews? Because the Jews were convinced that you have to follow the law. And if you break the law, you need to be redeemed. That's why the sacrifices were still made. That's why they constantly went to the temple. That's why they were constantly being uh, extorted and taken advantage of at the temple. Jesus comes along and says, that's never going to have to happen again. I'm the last lamb you'll ever sacrifice. And what they're telling the Jews is that you, it's not about following all the rules, it's following Christ. You know that Paul spent the rest of his ministry trying to get Jews to really believe that it's about Christ, not their works. You know, that still hasn't stopped today. We still get caught up, and, and even if we have a tendency to, from time to time, be able to turn around some stuff that we should not be involved in, even if we're walking in the right direction, have you ever noticed that we get really judgmental? Instead of proclaiming Christ, we're judging people. Going in the wrong direction again. I'm going in the right direction this time, but you're not. Just want to make that clear. You know, I'm headed toward Jesus because you're not. And then isn't it amazing how you have one of those days or weeks? I'm, this is not making sense to a lot of you, but you know you have a friend. This is making sense to all of you. Then there's those times you know you're on the wrong path. You're even saying, God, how is this happening? But isn't it wonderful to find another saint who's like, man, let's get back to Jesus. Not kicking you. Not saying, what are you doing here again? See, repentance is a changed mind. A changed mind that says, you better straighten up. No, a changed mind that says, Jesus is the answer. And see, when I keep focusing on Jesus, that's when the heart starts to change. See, if, if you, I want to make sure I say this correctly and, and right. If I only stop doing something when I feel like it, you'll never stop. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop following the wrong path now because it just doesn't feel right anymore. No, it's when I, I start realizing not, not even that there's danger ahead. It's I realize there's a better way. His name is Jesus. And I start looking in that direction. I start moving in that direction. Now that, again, this is not what saves me. And, and that's what's a little confusing to some about this passage. Because what shall we do? What can we do? Peter does say, repent and be baptized. Be saved from this crooked generation. But, but being saved means I know it's about Jesus. That's what I'm turning to. I'm turning to follow Jesus. I'm repenting. Does that mean you'll turn from bad things? Absolutely. There's a lot of things that I don't do anymore that I used to do on a regular basis that you'll never know about. Right? Why? Because it's under the blood, and if God forget it, you can forget it. Right? So I'm, there's a lot of stuff that, that I've turned away from but it wasn't because God came down and said, I will destroy you if you don't turn away from that. No, it's as I followed Christ, I just wasn't hungry for that stuff anymore. 
Now, is there a lot of stuff that you'll still wrestle with? Absolutely. But that's why the power of the Holy Spirit convicts, comforts, leads, guides, directs. Can you imagine what a life would be like when you get up in the morning and you know that the power of the Holy Spirit's at work in your life? Not because you always feel it. That's why we get, we get caught in a trap sometimes of coming to church and feeling like we got to work something up because we got to feel something. Now, I'm all about the gathered church coming together and people hearing his word and being excited or being challenged, but it's not always based on feelings because there will be some Sundays that you leave here feeling, man, forgive me. Lord, I've I got some conversations I need to have this week. I've got some things I've got to deal with. Well, you don't understand that something happened to me. It's not my fault. I'm going to make them suffer. Now, we've never felt that way. But i got to be honest with you. That's when the Holy Spirit, can anyone relate to this? Sometimes it's just a whisper. But it'll keep you awake all night. Sometimes he shouts. And that's sometimes how we want God to deal with us in a shout. We want that near-death experience. We, we, we love the testimonies, you know. I always had the most boring testimony in the world. I was raised in a pastor's home. Who cares? You know, I, I, we would go to special services where we knew they were bringing in the ex-con who was in a motorcycle gang and killed three people. I'm like, that's what I got to do. <laughs> I want to have a testimony that somebody will listen to for crying out loud, right? Well, what, what I found out was everybody has a story. Everybody's got a background. And here's what's powerful, now listen very carefully, especially if you're under the age of 40. The culture that you live in right now needs you to shine brighter than you can ever imagine. The culture that you live in right now needs you to be more bold than you could ever imagine. Because for, for many generations, not just the last few, but for many generations, they have, we've been raised in a God does not exist, God's not separation of church and state. You can't separate church and state. That's never what it was meant to be. We, we're, we're not about here making God an American God. And please, to any of our military, we, I, I can't say thank you enough, but God loved the world. The day of Pentecost shows that he came for everyone. The day of Pentecost isn't about a Pentecostal experience. Therefore, some are Pentecostal and some are Baptist. No. He came for all of us to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, not for an ecstatic move in our own personal life, but as we in the body of Christ learn how we're wired, learn how we're gifted, and then as the body of Christ move out into the world. Um. So what must we do to be saved? Brothers, what are we supposed to do? Repent. Change your thinking. Change how you think about Jesus. Now, again, I'm going to get hung up here if I'm not careful. Um, what does that look like in the world? Well, the world doesn't think about Jesus too much. So if you were to just, if you were to just blatantly go to the world and try to talk to a lot of people about Jesus, you're not getting very far. But here's how you get your foot in the door. Live like you know him. Now, what does that mean? Be baptized. 
okay, what are you saying? Um, Because isn't baptized total immersion? And I already did that. Um, We know that baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. But in that culture, listen very carefully. Here's what baptism is. It's a re-identification of who you are. Okay? So if I'm a Jew and I've converted someone to Judaism, they even had baptisms for Jews. But you were baptized in that name. When Jesus gives us the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it means now when you're baptized in that name, you're taking on a new identity. Your thinking is not based on how you used to think, but now you're taking on an identity of now who you are in Christ Jesus. He wasn't saying, make sure you get baptized and that's what makes you saved. There's a lot of people who know Jesus and haven't been wet yet. Getting wet is not the point. It's having your identity be in Christ. And usually when you get saved, that's why we make it a big time to bring family and friends. Why? Because we want you to allow people to see you are re-identifying who you are. And if you don't think we need a re-identification process in a world that's trying to identify themselves, you've lost your mind. We live in a culture they don't know if they're boys or girls. And their parents are so smart they don't know how to tell them. I'm going to stand in front of the camera and say that one. We we live in a a culture that people love to come and shout, but nobody knows how to sit down with a child and tell them truth. Pastor, that sounds like you have an anti-gender issue. No, I have a pro-Christ issue. I've never one time been confused about who I am. I've known I was one of two things, messed up or saved. Pastor, we're living in a a much delicate world. I totally agree. I, I, okay, I promise you I'm not going to go long. The Bible did say with many other words, but I'm, I'm not going to do that to you this morning. I, I will tell you this. We've let the confusion of our identities bleed into the church. And I don't mean male and female. I mean children of God. The, the reason he says repent and be baptized, uh, again, he knows who he's talking to. He's telling a, a group of people, you've got to change the way you think about Jesus. He's not another man, he's the Messiah. And and then he says, he proclaims, he is Lord and Christ. And you killed him. So the Savior of the world that you're hoping for, because you don't think about him as Lord and Christ, and because you don't identify yourself, Our sins put him on the cross. Why are you trying to make us feel guilty? Because sin, we are born in iniquity. We are born in sin. See, this is not good news unless you know the bad news. 
You are, we are born lost. And when you understand that Jesus Christ is how we are saved, and Jesus Christ is how we can be redeemed, and Jesus Christ is how we bring change to the world around us, I'm not talking about a bigger church. I'm talking about a community that you can see Jesus in the middle of it. I'm talking about families where you can see Jesus in the middle of it. Please hear my heart. I'm feeling very prophetic this morning because some of us just want to go home. And Jesus, if you'll just help me have a nice day. Jesus, if you'll just get me that job. Jesus, if you'll just change my husband. Jesus, if you'll just work on my wife. Jesus, and we see, oh, we have all of our prayers, but listen very carefully. Sometimes he'll give you the answer just to wake you up. And, and, and ladies, get ready. I've seen, I've seen this. Please pray for my husband. He's just a miserable wreck. And God radically saves him and drives her crazy because she wasn't as close to Jesus as she thought she was. I'm not, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just, I'm just telling you right now, it's about who am I going to go to? Is my changing, is my mind going to change? Is my thinking going to change? Is how I follow Christ going to change? Or am I making it this safe little thing that I do? And, and if I suffer, something must be wrong because I shouldn't have to be going through this. No, I'm telling you, God is preparing you for something great. He really is. God has a call for your life. God has a plan for your life. Um, and stand or I won't close. Emily, if you'll, if you'll come to the keyboard. Let me, let me tell you what God is doing in my life to, to show you what I mean about the Holy Spirit at work in your life, and you'll take it seriously, or just like the children of Israel, you'll find yourself wandering in the wilderness. Uh, the Lord's already showed me what the next 10 to 15 years of my life will be. I keep praying every day, Lord, please give me 20. If I got 20 more years, Lord, I'll be happy. 25 is a blessing. God's just like, shoot for 10. But with us starting this school, I can tell you right now, the, the, the goals that I have right now is just to keep preaching the word, keep preaching the word, because listen, anything else doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. Preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. But raise up a generation of men and women who know Jesus. Where does that start? Quite honestly, in kindergarten. So we've got a second floor up here on Mondays through Wednesdays. We're just packing kindergartners and first graders in. And one year at a time, it goes up. And the bottom line is, they're going to know, they're, they're know Jesus Christ. But it sounds like you're trying to brainwash them. No, we're trying to transform them. It's called transformation. So now what, what does that mean? It means that people on a regular basis are going to see your life lived out. People on a regular basis are going to see you at work in the kingdom. People on a regular basis need help. That's okay. Now let me tell you what that is. That's just the enemy trying to get your attention off of what he's trying to do in your heart right now. That's just the enemy trying to get your attention of what God is trying to do in your heart right now. Don't let him. 
because it, it might be in children. See, what God might be trying to do in some of you is you as moms and dads come together on your marriage, come together with your children, because you, you don't know this yet, but you're raising the next David. You're raising the next Ruth. You're raising. And see, for, for us sometimes to get so caught up in our lives, we miss what God is doing right here. Listen, I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit wants to use us in ways we can't even imagine. But it starts right here. Does that make sense? Now I want us to pray for two things. Repentance. What has God got to change my mind about? What has God got to change my thinking about? But then secondly, baptism. And again, we can talk about baptism if you've never been baptized. But baptism represents what has happened on the inside. Who is that identity now? And see, I, what I want to picture in your life is little Skylar. Running around in life, not worried one bit where she belongs. Bossy as ever. Will not hesitate to come up to me and demand things. And I don't say, who are you? You're adopted. Leave me alone. No. She gets whatever she wants. Why? Because she's family. Can I tell you that God would love for some of you to just run to him as a father? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, We come to you, Lord, with, with wonder. We come to you, Father, not even totally understanding how you work sometimes, but knowing that you sent your Holy Spirit to empower us, to change your world. And we get our ideas of what that needs to look like, but God, we stand before you this morning, realize that sometimes it's just our thinking that needs to stay focused on you. Sometimes, Lord, it's as simple as what you are doing and how we are identifying with it. Lord, I pray this morning that you bring change. Speak to our hearts. If there are things, Father, that, that need to be changed, Lord, I pray that you begin to deal with us right now as only you can, Father. Bring change. And we just give you the praise. Lord, as we leave here today, it's not about... We've had a service. We have, Father. But now, Lord, we pray that we step into service. Use us, Holy Spirit. Make us bold, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Hopefully we see you Wednesday night. If not, Friday night, Grace Group, and next Sunday. Amen. You are dismissed. <clears throat>